Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 106. Today, we're going to be looking at places of tension. I'm sure you've experienced this where you're between the rock and a hard place. It's like, you know, either way you go, you can see some downfall. Either someone's going to misunderstand or somebody's going to get hurt or you're going to get hurt in some way. It's like, you know, whatever I do here, it's not, it's not going to work out too well. Places of tension. What can we learn from that? What can we learn from that? You know, if you were to write your life story, you might go back to, well, of course, the place of your birth, right? But you might even go back further. You might go back to where your parents were born. And you might tell a little bit about the town or the village you were born in or what your parents did for a living and your country. And you might mention transitions like various highlights when you got married, when you had children. Um, significant people that came into your life or achievements, things that you really hoped to do and achieve and key moments like that. Well, the Bible, particularly the New Testament, but really the whole Bible, is really a container for Jesus' life story. And the story begins way back in the Hebrew Scripture and what we call the Old Testament actually begins long, long, long before Jesus was born. Begins with an ancient people, Israel, waiting for a promised Messiah. And these ancient people were looking forward to the day that God would send someone to help them and save them and rescue them. And many, many, many of the Old Testament prophets, people like Isaiah and Jeremiah, the Psalms, Daniel, Malachi, they all talk about or prophesy or look ahead to the coming of this promised one. Well, you know, they waited centuries. They waited thousands of years, and then one cold, dark, bleak midwinter, as the song goes, a baby was born to Mary. This long-awaited king finally came. However, it turns out that this king is like no other king at all. In fact, you know, when we think about the kings and queens of our history books, they really are a mixed bag. I mean, they're often violent and oppressive and, of course, kings by their very nature, patriarchal. You know, and Jesus comes along and is like, well, he's, he's absolutely nothing like the kings of this world. And the baby was born, the baby grew up, and he starts to teach his students things like love your enemies. I mean, what in the world? Who, what king would speak this way? Forgive those who come against you. Yeah, I mean, it turns out he's a king, all right, but nothing like the world has ever experienced. I mean, he ends up at the end of his life Forgiving those who secure his death. He grants a second chance to the criminal who hung next to him during his crucifixion. 
He spent his entire life healing and reaching out to people, often the most unlikely ones. And he is met with a mixed reaction. Some love him and call him the promised one, the Messiah. Others want him dead. So today ends the church year. It's actually called Christ the King Sunday because it's the sort of the end of his earthly life. It's not the end of his life because remember Easter, right? So it's not the end, but it's certainly the end of his earthly life when he walked on the earth because our text today is a conversation really. It's the day before his execution. He's executed for treason. Uh, His followers are starting to call him a king, and that's a big problem. Because 2,000 years ago, there was one ruler of of the known world at that time, and it was the mighty Roman emperor, King Caesar Augustus. And all those who worked for Caesar Augustus tolerated absolutely no rivals to the emperor's kingdom, which was the entire known world at that time, 2,000 years ago. It's kind of fascinating, really, just to know a little bit about the history 2,000 years ago, because this Emperor Augustus, he quite liked the title King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah, isn't that interesting? He quite liked the title Son of God. Isn't that interesting? So you have this emperor, Caesar Augustus, claiming all authority, all rule, all power, and then you have Jesus of Nazareth, this somewhat unknown, obscure prophet, rabbi, comes along, starts a whole new way of living and being in the world, and it gets to the Roman governor's ears, Pilate, that there is a potential threat, let's just say that, potential threat, because he has, he's, he's been called a king. So this setting in John 18 is Jesus before Pilate, conversation. It's a tense conversation. I think Pilate knows he's an innocent man. It's a great example of times where we feel like we are pulled in many directions. I think there is a, there's part of Pilate in all of us. It is a conversation between Jesus and Pilate, and Pilate feels this tension. He knows Jesus is an innocent man. He's not a rival to Caesar Augustus. His kingdom isn't of this world, right? I mean, it's nothing like the kings of this world. He's bringing in a completely new way of living and being and thinking. So Pilate senses that he's innocent. In fact, his wife had mentioned to him, look, I had a dream about this Jesus of Nazareth. I I don't know, have nothing to do with them. Have nothing to do with them. So we have a little bit of background that he knows Jesus is innocent, but he's a politician. And he has an angry mob wanting Jesus' execution. Now, granted, the tension in our lives that we're going to feel when we're pulled in two different directions, nothing like Pilate's stakes. However, 
because we live in this world and because Jesus' kingdom or Jesus' way is not the primary way that this world operates, we will feel tension a lot. But first the text before we talk about that. Jesus was arrested by the Jewish religious leaders. Now, I know this is such a strange thing. Why would the religious leaders want him dead? Well, I think it's simply because they're threatened. I mean, this is an institutional, uh, what we would call church. It's well-established. They don't want some other rabbi coming along with entirely different teachings and ways. I mean, what if it upsets the apple cart and they have to change, right? You know how people hate to change anything. They're very threatened by him. Not, not every single one of them, but the, the ones that certainly want him arrested are threatened. And they don't have authority to execute anyone, but the Roman governor does. So they take him to Pilate because he does have the power to order an execution. So we know that Pilate is nervous, he's anxious, he's got this uh, group of religious leaders who want Jesus dead, but in his heart of hearts he knows that Christ is innocent. He's a man of power and authority, it's his job to keep the peace in this Roman-occupied land. So he doesn't want any trouble, he doesn't want any riots, doesn't want any mobs, doesn't want any shouting, screaming, carrying on. I mean, this could affect his position. So there's an angry mob outside his headquarters and they start to shout for Jesus' death. So whatever else is going on here, for Pilate, one thing's clear. He's conflicted. He's conflicted. Here's the conversation. John 18. Pilate asks, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, are you asking this on your own or did others tell you about me? Why are you asking me this? What do you, what do you want to know? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew. I'm a Roman. Your, your own nation, your, your own chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. Pilate, my, my ways are nothing like yours. My kingdom isn't like your kingdom. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to you. We would gather an army, we would come against you, and we would try and crush you. That's the way this world works, right? Violent against violence. That's the only way you know. My kingdom isn't of this world. Pilate says, so you are a king. Are you a king or are you not a king? And Jesus said, you tell me. I am a king. I was born and entered the world so that I could witness to truth. Pilate says, what is truth? And he ends up washing his hands of the whole situation, sort of giving in, actually compromising. And Jesus is arrested and taken off to be executed. Yeah, so <laughs> a good example of being pulled in two entirely 
different directions. Now, again, in this passage, the stakes are really high here. Our stakes might not be as high. It might be something simple like a friend of mine said to me, you know, I never, I never wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to be a musician. My dad wanted me to be an engineer. That's why I'm an engineer. I never wanted that. In other words, he felt pulled. He felt the tension. He knew what he wanted to do, but he didn't want to go against what he perceived was authority, the authority for his life or the power of his life. So, you know, other people, and it can be well-meaning people, husbands, wives, children, friends, it can partners, it can be well-meaning people who have an agenda for you, want you to do certain things, live in a, in a, a certain way, respond in a particular way, but that might not be how you're feeling led. So the question is, how do you respond to that tension? How do you respond to that? Because I think it's very easy to be beaten down like Pilate, basically. Yeah, Jesus is saying, Pilate, I, if I did things the way you did, if I lived the way the world lives, I'd rally my followers together. We'd create an army. We'd fight against you until we won. My kingdom isn't of this world. Yes, I have a kingdom. Yes, I am a king. I have a reign. I reign in the hearts of my followers. It's a new way of living. It's a new way of bringing peace in this world to individuals, to communities, to countries. It's, it's a kingdom, but it's nothing like your kingdom, Pilate. So it ends up that Pilate takes the path of fear, fear and self-interest and political correctness. It's like, I've got this angry crowd here. If this ever gets back to my superiors that I have sided with Jesus of Nazareth, this could ruin me as a politician. This, this, this could cause me a lot of trouble. And so even though it's against his conscience, he listens to others who urge him to give the order for Christ's crucifixion. So it's like, who do we listen to, you know? Every day, and certainly some more than others, but I think if we're sensitive, every day we can, we can feel the two kingdoms in our lives, in our homes, at our work, in ourselves. It's like the struggle of two ways. Do I have the courage to do what is right, even if I'm misunderstood. Even if my family doesn't understand me, even if my friends really don't get me at all or what I'm doing or my decisions. Do I have the courage to do what is right or will I take the path of fear and cave in like Pilate? It's interesting that Jesus called that the wide road. He said, you know, most people take the wide road. They cave in. The wide road is easy. The narrow road, much harder way. 
causes a lot of suffering to, to us to take the, the narrow way. If you've been doing one thing for 10 years, 20 years, and you suddenly start to change, you want to get healthier and do things in another way, uh, you're not always affirmed by that. Do I do what I believe is the right thing to do? Or do I feel pressured into doing someone else's agenda for my life? I think it can happen everywhere. I really do. I think it can happen within our homes, certainly within our jobs, and any, any place. Yeah, Jesus said, my kingdom, my way of living, it's not the usual way. Yeah, it's not the path of fear. Not easy, is it? It's not easy to learn how to not be led by fear. Not easy. So many of our reactions, so many of our decisions are fear-based. So it's going to take a lot of practice, a lot of pausing and waiting and stopping before we go into our usual default. It's about learning how to forgive. Not easy if you've been deeply wounded. What if you've been deeply wounded time and time and time and time again? Even more difficult. Jesus said, yes, it is, but not impossible with the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' kingdom. Different way of being. Learning how to love one another. Learning how to love ourselves, you know, I've mentioned this before, that the church historically has been very good at, at um, concentrating on teaching, you know, learn how to love your neighbor, learn how to love other people, learn how to love God. But we sometimes miss out the third part. Jesus said, the most important thing is learning how to love God, learning how to love others. And by the way, you learn how to love God by loving others. But he also had that third part, which is, and love yourself. Yeah, there was three parts. It was about learning compassion and love for people and yourself. And sometimes we forget that. And I think what can happen is, is that we can project all of our suffering in our anger, in our wounds, in our pain, we can sort of project that on to those around us if we haven't taken the time to try and work through, with the help of God, with the healing of God, all these wounds in our life. And I think it's, I think a good test in, you know, do you love yourself? I think a, a, an easy test is, how do you speak to yourself? You know, what's your self-talk like? Because if you're harsh and if you're unkind with yourself, then you're not loving yourself, right? You're being hard on yourself. And if you've done that your whole life, that's going to take quite a bit of practice to turn that around. Difficult but not impossible, Jesus said. Not with the help of the Spirit. Yeah, it's not so much um, 
following Christ isn't really about uh, self-help so much. It's, it's a lot more than cognitive therapy, therapy here. We're talking about the spirit and the energy of God coming, indwelling us and sort of giving us what we need. Jesus said it's about being as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. What does it mean to be true to yourself today? If you're in a place of tension and you could go either way, and maybe a decision needs to be made, maybe you're concerned about a conflicted relationship, should I, should I stay or should I go? Can you discern Jesus' kingdom way? And again, even well-meaning people can have an agenda for our lives. Even well-meaning people can pressure us to be a certain way, but that's not necessarily God's leading. That's people leading. What if we, what if we don't want to keep doing life as usual? What if you want to be free from that? Yeah, what, what if you sense you, you need to make a change? And you're catching a glimmer of, yeah, you know what? I might be misunderstood. People might think I'm crazy, but this is true for me and this is God's leading and this is what I want to do and this is where I want to go and I'm, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah, sometimes it causes tension. But, you know, can I emerge from this place of tension a stronger person? Can I emerge from this place of, of, of tension uh, truer to myself and, and truer to others too because you're being honest and true before God. Yeah, there's the heart, there's the heart cry. There's the prayer. God, in my places of tension, when I feel the pull of the two kingdoms, of your way and of this, the way of this crazy world, Help me to stop and receive everything you have for me so that I can press on and choose the narrow way. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.